Well, thank you, praise team. We appreciate that music. Turn with me in your Bibles. Let me add a word of sincere affection and appreciation to our veterans. I uh, am thankful that uh, in America we still take time to share and to show our appreciation for men and women who have served our country. Today I want us to look at the book of Hebrews. The word unique means one of a kind, and there are a couple of reasons why Hebrews is a unique book. First of all, as far as I know, it is the only book in the New Testament where we do not know who the human author is. All the rest of them we know it was either one of Matthew, Mark, Luke, Peter, or of course, Paul, who wrote the bulk of the letters. This is a unique book in the sense that it is addressed to a specific ethnic group. In fact, if you would look at your Bible, it is a letter to the Hebrews. Now, these Hebrew Christians were scattered, much like up until 1948, uh, the Hebrews, as a group of people, had no homeland, and of course, in 1948, they came back to the promised land, and today, of course, they are under assault. Yesterday in London, 300,000 people gathered to protest what is going on in Gaza. I think there's an increasing anti-Semitic bias in our own country, and so it is interesting that the author of this particular book is addressing to these Hebrews who had become Christians, and by the way, they were suffering under some persecution. The book was written about 68, 69, maybe even 70 A.D., and John MacArthur tells us that there are about six warnings that are given by the Holy Spirit to these Hebrew Christians. I only want to deal with one of them today, and that is in chapter 3. And so we begin reading in verse 7, and notice the author of this book. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. Now this is an exact quote almost from Psalm 95. And the last half of Psalm 95 talks about when Israel was wandering for 40 years in the desert. And then in verse 9 it says, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years saw what I did, and that is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, and they shall never enter my rest. And then he says, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another 
as long it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In the 1970s, my wife and I attended a Christian conference in Titusville, Florida. The church was a mega church, but they had experienced a revival and it was ongoing. The Spirit of God was hovering over that church in a miraculous way. And I wanted to take a trip down there and visit that church to see how it was that God had decided to bless that church so abundantly. But while we were there, or maybe it was in a book that the pastor read, he was a good and godly man, and the pastor had written in a book a situation that happened to him that is a true story. He tells of a time he was leaving a wedding reception where he was in charge And he left the building and he noticed one of the young men that was a member of his church who happened to be a graduate student and he was studying etymology. Now, some of you know that etymology is the study of bugs. Now, I don't know why anyone would spend 10 years in school studying bugs, but we had a man at Franklin Heights who had a PhD in etymology. And I'm saying to you that this young man was leaning over and listening closely to some shrubs uh, in the, the driveway, and the pastor said, what are you doing? And the young man replied, he says, Pastor, did you know that in these shrubs there are 12 different species of crickets? And the pastor said, well, how in the world would you know that? And the young man says, every species of cricket has a different clicking sound. And my ear has been trained to know the difference in the clicking sounds of the crickets. Now, when I read that, I thought about in recent days, I have been more sensitive for the inability to hear. And I'm still, even today, talking in a barrel, but... Some of you said you can't tell, so I'm going to press on. The point of it is, is God in his word says that we need to be careful to be sure as Christians we hear what God has to say. Folks, we have many, many voices today. We have political voices. We've just gone through a political season And it won't be long for the politicians will be trying to get us to vote for them again. And then if you've watched TV at all, then you know the drug companies are trying to sell you some kind of drug. They want you to go to the doctor and say, I want this drug. A young physician said to me that one day he was treating a welfare patient and and he was going to prescribe a particular drug. And she said to him, No, I want the purple pill. Now, that costs more, but the point is she had been influenced by the drug companies. Now, I'm going to say something, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but folks, I am sick and tired of calls trying to get me to take care of Medicare Advantage. We have had 30 or 40 calls in our home. That is not an exaggeration. I think they pick on old people for purposes. 
but we have a lot of voices. But I think it's important that we listen, particularly as Christians, because our passage is about the writer saying, you Hebrews who have come to know the Messiah as your Lord and Savior, be careful that you train your ear to hear the voice of God. And so for the few minutes before we share together this wonderful fellowship meal, I believe we need to consider what happens when we fail to listen to the voice of God. Now, we have a lot of voices, as I said. We've got the drug companies, and we've got the insurance companies, and we've got a a lot of politicians who want us to listen to their voice, but the most important voice for the child of God is to be able to hear the voice of God. Now you say, but pastor, I've never heard God's voice. There are three basic ways that God speaks to us. The main way is he speaks to us through the word of God. That is the reason that I have shared with you on a fairly regular basis that it is important and I believe imperative if we are going to grow as Christians, then we need to spend time reading the Word of God. In fact, our text begins, he said, today, if you will hear his voice. When you get to the last book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3, seven times the Bible says, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, he does not say that one time, but seven times in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. If anyone has an ear to hear, that is a rhetorical question because we all have ears to hear. And therefore, the Spirit is saying, because you have ears to hear, it is important with the multitude of voices that vie for our attention every day, it is imperative as the children of God, that we hear what God has to say. What happens when we fail to listen? Uh, I grew up in a time when parents could and parents would discipline their children by spanking them. Now, I was a really an obedient child, but occasionally I would not listen And my mother felt it was almost a holy calling to spank me. Now, I did not mind my dad. For some reason, he never really got into it too much. But when I did not listen to my mom, whom I loved and had the privilege of taking care of her until she passed at almost 96 years of age. But I remember growing up, if I did not listen to my mom, she would tan my hide. And I think today, probably, that might be illegal. I don't know. I've not talked to any young parents, and I don't know what the law is. But for some of us, remember, we're being spanked. Why? Because we did not listen to our parents. In our passage, the idea is that there are consequences for the child of God who refuses to listen 
to the voice of God. In the verse 8, the first reason is our hearts will be hardened. Notice in verse 8 he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. Now here's what's happening. You remember the great miracle that God performed in getting the children of Israel across the Red Sea. You remember the miracle of giving Moses the Ten Commandments, those commandments that for years hung into the courthouses across America, those, those laws that kind of are based in the Judeo-Christian ethic. I think oftentimes what a wonderful world it would be if people just lived by the Ten Commandments. But here we have a group of people whom God miraculously carried across the Red Sea, who gave them ten rules to live by, who provided manna from heaven, but yet they began to murmur and complain, and some of them said it would be better for us if we still lived in Egypt. And God says, be careful that you, in failing to listen to God's voice, you do not harden your heart. Now the word harden, I believe, is kin to the word callous. If we fail to listen and God speaks lovingly and continuously and we fail to read God's word and we fail to listen to what God is trying to say, then I believe there is a callous that builds up in our hearts and we become insensitive to the things of God. There are people that I have witnessed to. I, I'm thinking of a, a man, a good man. And in fact, he is in his mid-90s. I've known him for 55 years. In terms of morality, the man is a good man. His wife got sick and ultimately died, and he took care of her as a faithful man. Many times I would go to his home and eventually get around to trying to share the gospel with him, and he had no interest in being a follower of Jesus Christ. But now what was unusual about it, he would be in church every Sunday. In fact, he was so regular that his Sunday school teacher had him to teach two or three Sundays because he did not know he was a follower of Christ. And one of the reasons he said to me one day, he said, Preacher, where I worked, I was in charge of a hundred men. And he says, as far as I could tell, only two of them took this matter of being Christian seriously. He said most of them were members of some church but they were not serious in following the Lord. Now, if he stands before God, he will not be able to use that. And maybe since I have retired, even after retirement, I have witnessed to him, but he has no interest. And I wonder sometime, he has refused to listen to the sweet, still, gentle voice of the Holy Spirit that would call him into the kingdom of God and he refuses to listen, and I wonder if maybe a callous heart has taken place. That is what he's saying. He said, today, if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your heart. And Christian, that has application to us. Many years ago, it occurred to me that as a preaching pastor, someone who studied hours every week in order to get up and preach to a number of people every Sunday, preaching twice on Sunday morning and one on Sunday night. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be so busy in the academic exercise that I fail to hear you speak to me about my own relationship to you, about my integrity and my honesty and whether or not I am a, the genuine article when it comes to following Jesus Christ. And so, Christian, I say today that one of the consequences that if we fail to listen to God's Word, God speaks through His Word, God speaks through the voice of the Holy Spirit, and God speaks through circumstances. Those are three of the main ways that God would speak to us, through His Word. And by the way, anything else that is contrary to the Word of God is not the voice of God. Now, why do I say that? Oh, I don't know. It was about 30 years ago. A man came into my office, and he, he was a professing Christian, and I believe he was a Christian. He said, Pastor, I... I, I, I believe God wants me to divorce my wife. I said, you do? He said, yes, I do. I said, why do you think God wants you to divorce your wife? He said, because she's not following the Lord. And I said, well, God is not telling you to divorce your wife. Now, why would I say that? It's because that is contrary to the word of God. I've had people to tell me the Lord told me something. But whatever the Lord tells you, it will never be contrary to the word of God. Do you see where I'm going? This is the plumb line. And you say, preacher, you make a lot out of the word of God. Folks, if we do not believe this book has authority, then we ought to go out and start selling insurance or whatever else we want to do. This is the word of God. I believe it is true. I don't understand it all, but by faith I accept it as the inerrant word of God. I do not believe that we are descendants of monkeys. I believe that God in the beginning created the heavens and earth. I believe at a point in time he created man, and man was the crown of God's creation. I believe with all of my heart that God has to say something about the sacredness of life in the womb. If you will be a careful reader of Psalm 139, you will find that the psalmist began to praise God because God knew that psalmist when he was knitted together, he said, in my mother's womb. Oh, I wonder today if we are not on the precipice because Every state seems to be voting to legalize abortion. And I know it's not a really an easy question, but I must say that life is sacred and we who are the people of God need to always guard the sacredness of life. For the non-Christian and for the Christian in America, we need to understand what God says. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing in the desert. 
where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years see what I did. Now here's what the, uh, the writer is doing. He's positioning the faithfulness of God in the wilderness, the manna, the water, the Red Sea, the Ten Commandments. God was faithful to Israel in the wilderness, but if you read in Numbers, it was said, the people began to murmur and complain, and that was testing God. And I'm saying to you today, that is the reason, as a Christian, I need to be sensitive to the word and to God's voice. And years ago, I began to pray as I said, Lord, I don't want to get up and preach on Sunday and not live what I'm preaching. In fact, I will say this, folks. Preaching is a lot, of, lot easier than living it. And that is the reason Christians, and I hope God will send you a pastor who not only is a preacher of the word of God, but also one who lives the Word of God. None of us is perfect. I understand that. But the integrity of a man's heart, each of us needs to understand how important it is to try to hear God's voice. I won't tell you what it is, but this morning I believe God spoke to me through his heart, through, through my spirit. And there was something that was bothering me and troubling me and I was praying about and I believe clearly I heard, not in a physical way, but in God spoke to me in my heart. I want to hear God's voice. And so our hearts will be hardened, but secondly in verse 10, the Lord will be angry. Notice in verse 10, he said, this is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my name. Now let's go back to verse 10. It says here, this is why I was angry with that generation. One of the lies that are being told today about God is that we can create the God that fits our lifestyle. In other words, today we believe that God is love. We believe that God is a God of grace and mercy. And folks, I believe all of that. I believe for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should make. I believe that God's mercies are new every morning. And I believe that the very essence of God is love, but that is not the whole picture of who God is. One of the aspects of the personality of God is that sometimes he gets angry. You remember Jesus turned the tables over in the temple because he said, you have made the temple a den of thieves. It should be a house of prayer. And many times in the Bible do we have a mention of the judgment of God. I do not have a right to think of God as some doting grandfather. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, when we had our children, you know, we tried to discipline, and then you let the grandchildren come along, and they're perfect. They never do anything wrong, although they may just be as ugly as 
homemade sin. We just don't think they ought to be spanked. Folks, God is not a doting grandfather. He is the God creator of the universe. And it says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, even Romans, that great book of theology, Paul in writing to the church at Rome said, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. And so I say to you that we who are the people of God need to have a biblical perspective of who God is. He is a God of love, but he is also a God who hates sin. So much so that he sent his only son to down the cross. And his son took the judgment of God on sin. That is the reason in verse 10 he says, this is why I was angry. Why? Because his people had rebelled. God was faithful in the wilderness. That's what they're talking about. God provided all of their needs in the wilderness. But yet they mumbled and grumbled and God became angry. And it occurs to me, and maybe I'm wrong, that we're living in a time in America, I wonder sometimes if we're not entering the judgment of God. Now, I'm not your pastor. I just preach here occasionally. And I know you'll be getting somebody, but I want to say something to you. I remember quoting Dr. Billy Graham's wife who said this, and I know you've heard me say it before. If God does not judge America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Judge Robert Bork wrote a book, Slouching Toward Sodom, and he was talking legally about America and the laws that are changed. Folks, there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. There are things that are biblical. There are things that are unbiblical. And Christians, we all always stay on the side of what God says in his word. You let the Supreme Court redefine marriage, but still marriage is between one woman and one man. You let the Supreme Court of the state say it's all right to have abortions on demand. I say to you, it is a sin in the sight of God. I was heartbroken to hear a former governor of Virginia. I will not mention his name. To me, it's almost an ugly word. I heard himself, myself, he said, he says, when a baby is born, if it's not wanted, we will simply put it aside and keep it comfortable until it dies. I heard him say that. Folks, what's happened to us? This nation that was predicated on biblical principles and today that we seem to be going further and further away. I wonder if we as a nation are standing on the precipice of the judgment of God. Didn't think I'd ever see the day where the man who perpetrated the robbery has more rights than the victim of the robbery. But that's what seems to be happening in America today. You can go in and steal and you're not even being prosecuted. We're living in a time when right is wrong and wrong is right and it's all mixed up. And I say that we believe that God is a God of love, but sometimes he gets angry. Finally, and in closing, time could run out. Notice what he says in verse 8 again. 
Today, and he uses that term today. Today, if you hear his voice. And then he repeats that. In fact, in this passage, the word today occurs about four or five times. There is an urgency here that I believe that behooves us and should interest us to wonder as the people of God. He says in verse 12, See to it, brother, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God, but encourage one another as long as it is called today. There's the urgency. Encourage one another as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the sin's deceitfulness. As a Christian, I recognize that sin is deceitful. I recognize that even as a Christian that I can be deceived. And that is the reason that I want to be able to hear the Word of God. That is the reason that I want to be able to stand as long as the Lord allows me to preach but I also want to live what I preach. I want to be a person of integrity. I want to be a person of honesty. And I believe that be true of those who love the Lord because the warnings are clear. The time may run out. God has blessed America, but we keep going in the wrong direction. Thank God for our veterans. Thank God that we live in a land where we can come to a Baptist church or a Christian church or an Episcopal church or thank God that if you don't want to go to church, you don't have to. It is the freedom that we have. But it seems to me that some of our basic freedoms are being eroded. I just heard recently where a state is trying to pass a law where parents do, have, do, do not have a choice to send their children to a private school or to a Catholic school, that all children are to be educated in the public forum. I thank God for our public schools. I really do. We had 30 teachers in Franklin Heights who are teaching or retired from teaching. I am grateful for our public school teachers, but I believe that as parents, we ought to have the right to choose where our children and how they are educated. And we ought to have a part in what is being taught in the schools. I say to you that we who are the people of God need to train our ears to listen to God's voice. If any man has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the good music that we've had. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who loves us. But, Lord, you are also a God that sometimes will judge us. We don't know how much time we have, Lord. We seem to be more secular than we were even 75 years ago. Lord, I pray that if there would be hope that God's people would pray. And Lord, I pray that there might be revival to come to this great land. We do thank you, Father, for the ability to come and worship as we choose. 
And I make this prayer in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.